It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, an interesting mix of conversations is in store for today uh, in the third half of our three-hour tour, and this is a really... uh, interesting uh, conversation with uh, veteran media executive Jeremy Murphy who has uh, come out with a book that literally skewers millennials media wokeism and shared google dropbox instaface trackers in his new humor book that uh, is so disrespectful (laughs) you can't say the name on radio it's uh, called f off chloe and um, let's see, surviving the OMGs and FMLs in your media career. And uh, fun, fun conversation to be sure. But uh, in the uh, second hour of our three-hour tour, we're going to uh, uh, talk about the winners of the 6th Annual Health Heritage Essay and Scholarship Contest from Genesee Health Plan, one of our one of our contributing sponsors. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year, um, and they have uh, an annual dinner coming up next month. But we're going to talk about the essay contest with Yvonne Lewis from Genesee Health Plan in the second hour. 
and we'll probably talk about some other stuff as well, the 20th anniversary and so on. And then uh, we start out with this morning, or I should say instead of and then, but first, uh, Jody Grant, the executive director of After School Alliance, and Laura Overdeck, the chair of the Overdeck Family Foundation and founder and president of Bedtime Math, which is by itself interesting. But they're talking about uh, STEM learning in after-school programs, uh, a big part of uh, what After School Alliance does is uh, tracks and puts people together for a variety of uh, different programs. But they um, just did a new study and uh, data from all 50 states and the District of Columbia that looks at children's STEM learning experiences in after school and summer learning programs. And there's been an increase, and we're going to talk about that and more coming up, well, straight ahead. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and we're going to be talking about uh, a new study from the After School Alliance that identifies inequities in STEM learning and uh, what um, getting back to school means to STEM learning. And I have joining me by phone the After School Alliance Executive Director, Jody Grant. Jody, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And also joining me by phone is the uh, chair of the Overdeck Family Foundation and founder and president of Bedtime Math, Laura Overdeck. Laura, welcome to the show to you as well. I, I want to start with Laura because I'm not familiar with bedtime math, and I, I imagine it's not uh, figuring out what time to set the alarm clock for in the morning so you can hit the <laughs> snooze button a couple times. Yes, so bedtime math is really trying to build the same culture around math that we have around the bedtime story. You know, the bedtime story is a beloved tradition that kids look forward to. And then you realize, well, why don't we think about math that way? So Bedtime Math, which I founded nine years ago, um, we send out a funny math problem every night for parents to do with their kids or for kids to do with grandparents, with older siblings. And um, it's been shown that just that dose of informal learning moves kids ahead an extra three months in their math skills in one school year. It, it, it really, learning outside school is a powerful thing. And that, of course, is why we're so excited about the work at the After School Alliance. But using bedtime is is uh, is, is absolutely brilliant. I remember a um, musician friend of mine that did a lot of teaching used to uh, tell students not to put their instrument in a case but to lay it on their bed. Then if they went to, to lay down, they'd have to pick up the instrument. And very likely, they would play it a little bit. And so they get a little bit more practice in that way. That is brilliant. And it really ties with this idea that set, starting a good habit takes some effort. I think, you know, there, there's different research on this. But they say you need 60 days of doing something over and over. The habit really lock in as a good habit, which is a bit daunting. But, it, you know, the thing about hooking this to bedtime is that it, it's 
that's something you do every day. And so then hopefully this will happen too. Although we hear that there are families who do it at dinner, some do it while carpooling, some do bath time math. Um, it's really whatever fits the family's schedule. Because again, kids are awake all day and you want them to have um, exposure to learning whenever you can. And and I want to turn to uh, Jody now, the uh, executive director of After School Alliance, and and uh, the alliance has just done this uh, this new study. What is happening with STEM learning? Has it been disrupted, or at the very least, changed by the pandemic? And what kind of chaos are we looking at as as schools are trying to figure out how and when to open back up this fall? So, um, so you know what, that is a wonderful question, um, Tom. And one of the things that has really blown me away is the nimbleness and the flexibility of after-school programs throughout the pandemic. And what we've seen, I mean, right in Flint, Michigan, we had after-school programs working with the school district so that when kids were virtually learning, as soon as their classroom ended, they got to do after-school learning. And we have seen programs move to virtual learning, to hybrid learning. So if kids are in school part of the day, they do the other part of the day and um, follow all of the protocols to keep kids safe and do in-person learning. And so I think what we're going to see is a field that continues to adapt um, to whatever the latest protocols are and what's safest for kids. And we've seen programs um, that aren't operating in person literally deliver lesson plans to kids, um, do it so that they can do it on Zoom, do it so that they can do it without Internet, and also create all sorts of, I mean, STEM, there's so many STEM projects that you can do and be socially distanced and still be safe and learning at the same time. So I think the um, the exciting thing is that um, we have uh, adapted, we've been creative, we've still been working with kids. Um, most programs are still operating, whether it's um, virtual person or hybrid, and we will continue to do that no matter what the pandemic does to our schools. Jody, we're talking about STEM learning, and I'm seeing more and more in uh, in technical schools and colleges and so on, the acronym STEAM, adding arts to science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, what about the After School Alliance? Is has is it just determined that that science, technology, energy, and and or engineering and math are the desired priorities going forward for what might be needed in the workforce? I think, you know what, I think um, I think what really matters is what the kids are learning, and I wholeheartedly embrace the term STEAM. I mean, I think the idea is that there's a whole host of skills that we associate with STEM or STEAM learning that are so wonderful for our kids to have. Um, and in many cases, particularly for girls and kids of color, exposure to these skills in a hands-on way can open up a host of careers that they hadn't thought about, where we really have a disparity of who's going into fields like engineering and computing. But uh, if art is a way to encourage kids to go into these um, programs too, that's terrific because, you know, think about architecture. Like that is art and it's engineering. Um, there's, you know, all sorts of, you know, technical applications where art can be an entryway. And I wanted to say, you know, in, in Michigan, we have seen an 18% jump in 
um, the number of kids that are exposed to STEM learning in after school, or if you want to call it STEAM learning, um, because definitely arts is an entryway too. So there is a huge growth in opportunities for high quality learning in the sciences um, in our space. And I think that's tremendous for our kids, it's tremendous for our communities, and it's going to be tremendous for our workforce. Has, has, and I just wanted to chime oh, Yeah, go ahead, Laura. Chime in that, sure. I was just going to chime in that when you look at art, art is spatial. And if you look at what neuroscientists see in our brains, spatial part of the brain is different. It's a different region of the brain from enumeration, where you basically where you do counting and calculation. And different kids have different strengths. And when you leave art in with these other subjects, you can draw in kids who might not have caught it the other way. It kind of gives another chance at victory to a different group of kids. Bedtime Math also has um, an after-school club called Crazy Eight. It's actually a free kit where a teacher who can round up students can do um, get our kit and do eight weeks of math club. And it's very hands-on. And what we've seen is that the geometry games or the games where kids design structures that are mathematical really um, gives an opportunity for success to a whole other set of kids who aren't necessarily succeeding in math class during the day. And it's just so great to give kids that toehold. So- yeah, I just want to back up what Laura's saying yeah. because so much of this is for so many of our kids um, and, and for our adults, for, they're intimidated by math or science, and there are some amazing opportunities out there to overcome that. And I think that you, know, you find the right entryway, and it's natural for kids to actually enjoy and be good at all of these skills, and um, we just need to, um, to show them that. How supportive is uh, the... Um education uh, hierarchy at, at the uh, in the Department of Education and the various state departments of education with regard to working STEM into core curriculums? So, um, you know, fortunately and unfortunately, it varies state by state. And so we have some states like, you know, California and New York where it's really integrated and the numbers are off the chart and we have other states where it's not as strong and i would say likewise we're in this unique situation right now that we've really never been in before where we have real money to tap into to provide stem learning and after school because of covid federal dollars that have gone to the states and gone to local school districts and one of our biggest challenges is convincing the state education agencies and the local school districts to use their money to partner with after-school programs to provide high-quality learning outside the school day in addition to during the school day. And I just want to flag that the federal law that was passed for these funds explicitly says that they can be used for after-school learning because the federal policymakers understood that there's all sorts of learning opportunities that happen outside of school. More about after-school STEM learning with Jody Grant from After School Alliance and Laura Overdeck from the Overdeck Family Foundation straight ahead.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places So be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annanick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. Today. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about after-school STEM learning with Jody Grant from After School Alliance and Laura Overdeck from the Overdeck Family Foundation straight ahead. Is it working for some kids and, and not for others because of school locations and distance travel to schools, or has that all changed because of the Internet and the pandemic? I would say that these are still problems and that, to Jody's point, things differ not only state to state but just town to town. Um, There's certainly an issue with transit when programs can happen right at a school after school, then kids can stay and enjoy it. But, you know, when you look at the kind of after-school opportunities that better resourced kids have, um, it's a lot of bouncing around town, and if you, and parents who have the resources can provide that to their kids, but parents who don't have the resources often cannot. And so that's why this integration is so important. Um, there's actually a nationwide effort of STEM ecosystems where in a school district or town or city, you bring together the, the K-12 system, the after-school programs, a local university, local businesses. You get everybody in a room to, to work on this, and that's been very successful around the country, but it's hard work because each player has their own kind of parameters and priorities, and getting that all to dovetail is really tough. And this is where, frankly, money does grease the skids. When there's more funding and you can get everybody on a bus, it's amazing how much more is possible. Laura, and one of the yeah, innovations ahead, we saw during COVID was that we had statewide in Vermont, citywide in places like Portland, Maine, um, we had um, after-school programs that literally were tapping into these ecosystems that Laura's talking about, creating hubs where our kids could go and learn in small pods that were, you know, following all of the COVID protocols. So you might have, you know, classrooms of like six kids, and they would be doing a combination of virtual school learning and hands-on engagement. So I think one of the, you know, silver linings in COVID is we have seen this done, where you really look at a community learning ecosystem, where we're tapping into all sorts of actors to help our kids learn. And um, it would be really tremendous if we could come out of this stronger um, not weaker as a result of what we've learned during COVID. Laura, can you uh, tell me a little bit about the uh, Overdeck Family Foundation and its mission? Sure. So we really focus on funding opportunities that unlock children's potential um, and really trying to bring equity to that. So, you know, we have four areas where we do this. We have an early childhood portfolio we have an innovative schools portfolio, which works on what goes on during school hours um, and ways to innovate there. We have an exceptional educators portfolio, which is all teacher prep, teacher development. And then the fourth is inspired minds, and that's where all our after-school focus is. And we, you know, look at these areas, we're really taking a systemic approach because we feel that kids need opportunities throughout 
their day um, and starting from birth. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, um, kids are awake in a given year about 5,500 hours. They're in school only for 1,100. I mean, kids spend the vast amount of their childhood outside school. And those are all opportunities to learn. They can learn at home. They can learn at after-school programs. And this is where there's a lot of inequity driving the gap because, again, kids with from high-income families, they often have good school and they have good after-school. And it, since it often correlates with education, they have a good learning environment at home, um, an enriched environment. A lot of kids have either all three or none, and that is where we're really – there's such a gap that we have to close. So efforts in the after-school space or, frankly, you know, working with parent engagement like bedtime math, um, trying to get more learning opportunities for kids in all those other hours that they're awake and not at school. That's really what we want to achieve. Well, Laura, family foundations and community foundations and, and other philanthropic organizations are playing more in, and more of a role in helping to underwrite special societal programs, whether it's, it's hunger or childhood education, um, after-school programming, all of these different things that go on. Um, how did how did the Overdeck Family Foundation pick education as a, as a focus area? Well, it's interesting because my husband and I, you know, who both love math. Uh, I did astrophysics in college. He's a statistician. <laughs> you know, we've always loved numbers. And before we actually formally created our foundation, we had started giving support to our favorite programs. And our first three were um, Center for Talented Youth out of Johns Hopkins, Governor's School in New Jersey. He's an alum of CTY. I'm an alum of Governor's School. And our third one was Liberty Science Center, a, a fabulous science museum in New Jersey. Uh, so our roots are in math and science, and we just know that along the way, we had amazing teachers and mentors, um, and that is just so critical to if you're going to go on and go into a STEM field. And we want to make sure that somebody's still getting that opportunity. Um, although I do want to point out that in, well, once we started our foundation and started broadening all the groups that we give to, that it's not just about having specialized, you know, having your geniuses, your high flyers go into math and science. There's also a basic level of numeracy and scientific literacy that you want your whole population to have. And that really has propelled us because we see that we live in a country with a lot of math anxiety. I mean, adults are nervous to calculate the tip. <laughs> you know, and calculating the tip, they can do it. It's entirely an issue of confidence. And so it's, it's really important also just to give kids exposure so we raise a next generation that is comfortable because if you're comfortable with the math, then you're more likely to be comfortable in science class and be able to get a toehold there and, and it becomes a positive spiral. Jody, um, the After School Alliance, um, how did you get connected with the uh, Overdeck Family Foundation and how important is the support from foundations like this to programs um, 
supported by and and uh, and pushed by After School Alliance. Wow, um, I would um, I would first of all say that philanthropic support is um, what makes all of our work possible, and one of the things that. Um, you know, we've been able to do is, you know, thanks to philanthropic support, we can educate the public and educate policymakers, and that results in, you know, billions of dollars a year going into the after-school space to hit kids that wouldn't have access otherwise. And, you know, we are so lucky to have foundations like the Overdeck Foundation that really grasp the power of the after-school field and informal STEM learning. And I think that, you know, because of that, um, you know, we've been connected and we have been able to really make extraordinary inroads, both in, you know, these STEM learning ecosystems in communities around the country, um, at the national level in getting attention to STEM learning in after school, and at the state level in selective states where there's some real energy about bringing high-quality STEM learning into after school. And I, I want to flag that, you know, I mentioned this before, we have seen since the last time we did a study, we have seen nationwide an 11% increase in access to high-quality STEM learning in after school. In Michigan, it's 18%, and that is in large part because of the support we've received from philanthropy like the Overdeck Family Foundation to really educate um, thought leaders about what's possible in after school and why it matters so much to our kids. Is STEM a primary focus of uh, the After School Alliance, or are there programs for other disciplines as well that that you sub- support and, uh, and I, I think I think we support high quality after school and learning um, across the board and in so many cases it's really the learning is tied to the needs of the kids and the community and the resources of the community that said I think stem is a really powerful metaphor for all of the learning that goes on because so much of what we're teaching in after school there's obviously a piece that's really, you know, that that ties to academics and makes it relevant, but we're also teaching about coming up with an idea, a hypothesis, um, testing out that hypothesis. Does it work? Does it not work? Either way, you're learning something, learning how to collaborate, learning how to work with others. Um, So there's so many pieces of STEM learning um, that go above and beyond just the content. And I would say that's absolutely true if you were doing a Shakespeare play or if you're writing a newspaper. So what we're, and I've seen a lot of, you know, cultural um, learning going on where it might be a, you know, Native American language or it's outdoor education, which has a huge STEM component. So I think one of the great things about after school is a lot of the programming doesn't actually happen in a silo. It could be a project that incorporates all types of learning that's really meant to excite and inspire a child who's having fun, but then learning all these skills at the same time. Jody, I mentioned when we first started talking um, that uh, there was a, a new study from the After School Alliance. What, what was the alliance looking for, and what did you find? Okay, so the After School Alliance, since 2004, has been doing a household study, talking to parents to find out what kids are doing in the hours after school. Uh, and then we have been digging deeper and deeper to actually find out not just are they in an after school program, are they home alone, but 
what is the substance of what's going on. And what we found is the good news is that, you know, parents love their after-school programs, that STEM learning in after-school, so really thoughtful curriculum has gone up, um, and parents are thrilled with that. But um, access is a real problem. And for far too many of our parents, they cannot afford after-school programs. They're not available in their community. And so we desperately need to do more. And for every child that's in an after-school program, there are three more. That's 25 million kids whose parents want them to be in programs, but they're not available. So, um, so the good news is the programs that exist are doing a fabulous job, uh, but we need to work harder to get more resources so more of our kids have access to these programs. I get the sense that there's um, that there are some challenges for kids in urban settings, but but I also think there are challenges for kids in rural settings. Um, do you have any sense from the the research that's been done? Who faces the bigger Absolutely. challenges? That's the, uh, well, you know, it's. Um, I would say it's both. I mean, the truth is we're actually, um, we'll be coming out with a report just on rural America. And what we found is that in urban areas, we tend to have more kids that are in after-school programs, but there's also a lot more demand, particularly, particularly in low-income families in urban areas. Um, so it's definitely an issue in urban areas, um, but then rural areas have uh, have additional barriers. So recruitment and retention of staff is hard for everyone, but it's particularly hard for rural areas. Things like transportation, much bigger issue in rural areas. So we absolutely focus on rural, suburban, and urban areas. And one of the reasons after school is so popular is that we have great examples in all three. And and what about internet access? Is has that become pretty universal, or are there areas that need to step that up to keep up? Um, we have two. No, we definitely need more internet access. And there's there's two issues because one is um, well, actually three. Right, first you need the access to the internet. Then you need the actual hardware to access it. Um, and we also have a bunch of kids where, you know, if you have three kids sharing a bedroom, like, it's not that easy to do virtual learning at the same time. So really thinking about this is one of the reasons where I was, you know, so positive on some of these hubs um, and learning centers and ecosystems where we can get kids out of, you know, their bedroom and into places where they can physically do that work, have the internet access, have the hardware access, and there are definitely communities, and this is on our website, where that's happening um, in a very positive way. But, you know, across the board, we are big champions of broadband and trying to get more access to the communities that don't have it. Right. I was just going to emphasize that point about broadband, that although um, something like 97% of America has a cell phone, it's a much smaller percent who have a desktop, you know, a, a computer that's hardwired. And the pandemic really shone a light on how, even though a lot of people have a phone, um, they're limited in how much, how much data they can get in a month. And video is what really connects people. I mean, you can do amazing things with kids if the adults and kids can see each other. Um, that, you know, Zoom exploded during the pandemic. 
academic for that reason. But what we found was that a lot of kids, even if they quote-unquote were connected, they didn't have the bandwidth to do Zoom. And that's why so many kids were cut off both from their school experiences and from after school um, during the pandemic. And that is an ongoing problem. Even as we come out of the pandemic, hopefully, um, we're still going to have to address this. um, Because if you can do some of it virtually, you really can reach more students. You don't ever want to replace in person with virtual over video, but something is better than nothing. And that's where really the technology can open up a lot more opportunity. Are there um, after school opportunities that work better for some kids than others? And, and, and what I'm leading up to here, Jody and Laura is where people listening can go to shop for opportunities for their kids. So I would send all of your listeners to www.afterschoolalliance.org. Um, and we have information for every single state. Um, there are state-level networks um, to help um, identify programs. We also have something called our um, our STEM Learning Hub, which highlights some of the programs and curriculum that are out there. I mean, I, it's pretty comprehensive for parents to look at. And um, and I would say um, one of the beautiful things about after school is that kids have to want to be there. And because they have to want to be there, they could walk with their feet or parents could walk with their feet. It's voluntary. I think it really pushes programs to offer a lot of choice and to fine-tune what they're offering to the needs of the kids in the community. And so in an ideal world, there would be lots of choice because one kid might be inspired by sports and they're using sports as a hook to get them into after school. And for another kid, it could be robotics. Um, and for a third kid, it could be the social interaction. And we want you know all of the above to be happening. Hi. What do you think is is going to happen um, going forward with schools opening up? There's so much uh, controversy over masks versus not masking, and a lot of parents have decided to, to keep their kids home and school them at home after having experienced a year of it uh, during the, the height of the pandemic, um, if that was the height of the pandemic. What, what kinds of challenges do you expect going forward to making sure kids continue to learn? Yeah, I was going to say... Go ahead, Laura. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that as we head into this new school year, we are going to see, again, unfortunately, every kind of possible scenario in different schools because cases are rising in different places. We may peak and get better in some places faster than others. And so we're going to see lots of different school models again. And I think just the, the, the key message that needs to be out there is we can't let learning stop. We can't let COVID continue to slow down the learning because it's just so harmful to this generation. Um, a study actually came out showing that toddlers have dropped 20 IQ points. Um, since the pandemic because they just haven't been out having experiences seeing a dog or a cat, picking up vocabulary. So you can imagine what's happening with numeracy as well. And so 
hopefully the fact that we've all <laughs> ground through this past year as a country, we've learned some ways to get around this. We've seen some amazing, innovative things happen, both in schools and outside school. And all we can hope is that um, those great examples will spread and that people will see, you know what, even if we're wearing masks, or even if we have only a half day, we're going to use that time as well as we can. Uh, Laura, you, you and, made and me think when you... Plug? Yeah, go ahead. I was just, I would say I would put in a plug that, you know, we really need to put our kids first and to recognize that learning doesn't have to happen in the classroom. So again, whether it's hybrid, whether it's virtual, we can create these spaces where kids don't have to be isolated. We can create learning centers and learning hubs, um, working with community-based organizations so that um, our kids can continue to learn. And I think that social aspect is something we don't want to forget, too, because one of the things our studies have found throughout the pandemic is parents are every bit as concerned about the loss of social interaction with other kids and caring adults as they are about the academics. Um, and we want to make sure that we can have our kids together in a way that is safe and follows all the latest protocol. I, when uh, Laura was talking about uh, infants dropping in IQ points, I, I was reminded of when my kids were, were little, and they're grown with their own kids now, but um, but I remember, and, and I wouldn't have predicted how significant the recognition of, of logos and fluorescent signs <laughs> were. Um, I, I wouldn't have predicted that, but they actually started to understand places by associating them with their logos long before they could talk. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah and, and so I, I can understand how being, you know, by sheltering at home is is sheltering not just in terms of being safe but also in cutting down exposure to things and and uh it's it's going to be another challenging year but Jody um just one final note are are we are we much better prepared going into this school year than we were a year ago or the year before that for what we're about to face I think we are better I think we are better prepared. I think that we have models of success from the last year that we can emulate across the country. And I think that, um, you know, that, that's what we need to be. We need to be nimble and creative and look not just to our schools, but to all of our partners in a community so that we can keep our kids learning and engaged and as active as possible. Well, I want to thank you both for uh, spending time with me and the listeners this morning, and, uh, and, and thank you for the work that you do and encourage you to keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom, for having us. All right, take yeah, care. Yeah, thanks so much, Tom. Bye-bye. That was uh, Jody Grant, who's the Executive Director of After School Alliance, and Laura Overdeck, the Chair of the Overdeck Family Foundation and Founder and President of Bedtime Math. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner Program. For a new generation
Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. 
The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Actually, I did rather well myself this past Christmas. The nicest present I received was a gift certificate good at any hospital for a lobotomy. (laughs) Rather thoughtful. Now, Now, if I may digress momentarily from the mainstream of this evening's symposium, I'd like to <laughs> sing a song which is completely pointless, but is something which I picked up during my career as a scientist. This may prove useful to some of you someday, perhaps, in a somewhat bizarre set of circumstances. It's simply the names of the chemical elements set to a possibly recognizable tune. <laughs> arsenic, aluminum, selenium, and hydrogen, and oxygen, and nitrogen, and rhenium, and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium, and iron, americium, ruthenium, uranium, europium, zirconium, lutetium, vanadium, and lanthanum, and osmium, and astatine, and radium, and gold, protactinium, and indium, and gallium, and iodine, and thorium, and thulium, and thallium. There's yttrium, ytterbium, actinium, rubidium, and boron, gadolinium, niobium, iridium, and strontium, and silicon, and silver, and samarium, and bismuth, bromine, lithium, beryllium, and barium. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I knew you would. I hope you're all taking notes because there's going to be a short quiz next period. <laughs> there's holmium and helium and hafnium and erbium and phosphorus and francium and fluorine and terbium and manganese and mercury and lithium and magnesium dysprosium and scandium and cerium and cesium and lead, praseodymium and platinum, plutonium, palladium, promethium, potassium, polonium, and tantalum, tenesium, titanium, tellurium, and cadmium and calcium and chromium and curium. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, berkelium, and also mendelevium, einsteinium, nobelium, and arc, krypton, neon, radon, xenon, zinc, and rhodium, and chlorine, carbon, cobalt, copper, tungsten, tin, and sodium. These are the only ones of which the news has come to Harvard. And there may be many others, but they haven't been discovered. Well, there are many shows on the air which are basically interview shows, and they start out in a very austere setting. Uh, there's a interviewer, he sits behind a desk, and in the background somewhere, some figure in the news sits. He's later in the show blinded by a spotlight. I'd like to present one of these shows. They start off very dramatically, something like this. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Mike Wallace, Nightline. Our guest in the studio tonight is Dr. Warner von Warner, one of the many German missile scientists involved in our American Missile Program. Dr. Von Warner, I suppose the question most often asked you, you were involved in the German Missile Program, you're now involved in our Missile Program. Was the fact that you were involved in the German Missile Program 
a matter of political conviction, or was this political expediency on your part? <laughs> oh boy, that one, huh? Actually, I didn't, I didn't have that much to do with it, to tell you the truth. Um, this is back around 1940. I was working at a beer garden in Stuttgart. <laughs> and like on Friday night, you know, the waitresses and the waiters, we'd go to one of the girls' pads, you know, and uh, <laughs> order some pizzas and some schnapps and get half-gassed, you know. <laughs> and I used to fool around with these inventions, you know, and I'd take this tin can and put a firecracker underneath it, and I'd like the firecracker, and the thing go four or five feet up in the air, you know. And everybody'd say, what the hell was that? Or what a nut that Warner is. Somebody want to get Warner's hat. You know, something like that. Except there's one party. The little guy walks over, he's got a little mustache. And a... What, uh, what causes that? I said, well, see, that's, um, for every action, there's a reaction, you see. And the, the force of the firecracker is it's, see, it's, first of all, it starts toward the floor. But the top of your can, see, is, every time I do it, it jumps forward. He says, what, uh, what do you call that thing there? I said, that's, uh, that's a rocket. It's named after my landlord, Irving Arcot. <laughs> See, I was, I was about three months behind in the end, you know, and comes a knock at the door, and he says, look, Warner, you know, you gotta knock off with the firecrackers in the middle of the night, you know, because the neighbors are complaining, and don't hand me the Madame Curie bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> what her landlord wanted to do about her rent, that's his business, I want my rent, I said, look, I'm working on an invention. If it works out, I'll name it after you. He says, you're going to call it an Irving? <laughs> so, no, I'm going to call it a rocket. So anyway, the guy at the party, little mustache, piece of hair falling in his eyes, he says, that would make a terrific weapon, you know that? <laughs> I said, well, you'd have to get out on top of the guy. <laughs> hit him in the face or something like that with, with a tin can to really hurt him. I think your big problem is going to be getting that close to the guy, you know? He says, no, no, what if, what if we took a hundred firecrackers and a great big tin can, see? I said, well, we saw that, but your problem there is, see, by the time you light the fuse on the last firecracker, He said, look, the, the, reason, the reason I'm asking you all this, I'm headed to German people. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, so, you know, congratulations. I, you know. <laughs> I hadn't seen a paper in a couple of days, so I took a verse. <laughs> he says, would you like to be involved in our MISA program? I said, well, you know, I got a pretty good thing going at the, at the beer garden. You know, he says, look. 
He said, it's a civil service job. <laughs> Three fifty a month. When you're 55, you go down to Baden Baden and forget the whole scene. <laughs> so anyway, all they want me to do, I sign these requisitions. Liquid oxygen, I don't know what it is. I'm signing Warner von Warner, and every month, 350, there it is, like clockwork. <laughs> anyway, make a long story short, we lose the war. <laughs> and the Americans come to me, you know, and I've been getting offers from the Russians and all that, and they say, look, Warner, you know, we've seen your name on some of the requisitions, and uh, how'd you like to be involved in the American missile program, you know? I said, look, actually, I didn't have that much to do with it, you see. I mean, I was at this party in Stuttgart, see? <laughs> they said, ne never mind, never mind, we need a name. No, we so anyway, I, I, I took the job, and uh, there it is, 450 a month. When I'm 55, I go down to Fort Lauderdale, and <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. Well, uh, Dr. Von Warner, our time is running out on us. Uh, we have now put a man in space. The Russians some two or three weeks before that had put a man in space. Was this the eventual plan of the German missile program to put a man in space? Oh, we, we put a man in space. Oh, sure, back in uh, 1940. I put my brother-in-law, Herman, I put him on. <laughs> Now, that's amazing because, of course, the, the big problem we found uh, putting a man in space was the problem of reentry. And apparently, in 1940, you had already solved that problem. Well, what problem is this you're talking about? <laughs> well, Dr. Von Warner, we want to thank you very much for stopping by and wish you continued success. Well, thank you very much. Now, are you going to give me the money or are you send a check to me? <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell there is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus and if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July a super bad transmittable contagious awful and if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now, back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docs were busy overseas with World War I. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. 
If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine. The lesson to rely on super bad transmittable, super bad transmittable, contagious. Pilots, get off of my lawn! We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>